Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. For the first time in a while, I have quite a bit of fun travel coming up this summer. And I'm really counting on Macy's to help round out my wardrobe for some of these trips. Right now, I've got my eye on a new bag and sandals from Coach and some super cute tops and dresses from Macy's on 34th brand. And you can never really have too many pairs of sunglasses. And there are a lot of cute options to explore right now. If you need a little help getting your summer look together, shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. You may have heard that most people who are black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills. Never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures in Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, 
It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 142 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We're back this week with another episode inspired by a help a sister out question submitted by a community member. If you're unfamiliar, Help a Sister Out is an opportunity for members of our community to submit a question they'd like others to weigh in on. We post the questions on our social media channels and the community shares their input. If you have a question that you'd like to submit for a chance to be shared, you can share it at therapyforblackgirls.com slash H-A-S-O. So this question in particular read, I know that you can't heal in the environment that hurt you, but what if the only people you have are the ones that hurt you? A very poignant question, right? And one that many of you wanted feedback about. So of course, I had to make an episode about it. And to join me in this conversation for another visit with us is the incredible Melissa Eiffel, who's a licensed clinical social worker in New York. Melissa shared some great information, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Do you love a good rom-com? Well, if so, there's a perfect podcast for you. There's a new podcast called Meet Cute, making short, scripted rom-coms that take you from Meet Cute to Happily Ever After in just 15 minutes. Each Meet Cute story is made up of five three-minute chapters. Their mission is to give you a much-needed burst of happiness and hope. These stories fit in your earbuds and anywhere in your day. You can find Meet Cute on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your audio. Meet Cute already has a library of stories waiting for you featuring diverse characters, settings, and storylines. New stories drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Meet Cute and then follow them on Instagram to stay up to date with the latest love stories. As I mentioned, Melissa is a licensed clinical social worker, speaker, wellness coach, and therapist. Her passion is working with women of color to assist them in managing their emotions through critical life transitions. Whether dealing with past hurt, a recent breakup, moving to a new state, navigating a new job, or just deciding what you want from life. Melissa believes that your ability to understand what you want and cope with the emotions that arise are critical pieces to assist you in being successful. Utilizing holistic wellness techniques, she's able to bridge the gap between traditional healing practices and clinical understanding to provide effective coping tools and education on how your mind, body, and spirit are impacted by painful experiences. She gets excited when she's able to encourage women to see themselves as whole people and thrive in spite of past trauma. One of her favorite sayings, the glow up is in the show up, demonstrates her belief that what you do determines the life you have and you really do get to choose and create the life you desire. Her goal is to help you take your life off autopilot and put you back in the driver's seat towards your dreams. Melissa and I chatted about whether it's possible to heal in an environment that hurt you, what boundaries might look like with someone who's hurt you, 
the importance of having difficult conversations, and what forgiveness really means when you've been hurt. If you hear something while listening that resonates with you, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBGNSession. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for being back with us again, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Yes. I am always, always grateful to be with you. Yes. So, you know, if y'all have been following the Therapy for Black Girls social media pages, you know that we have a feature called Help a Sister Out. Every now and then there will be a question that is lots of buzz, lots of engagement and people request, oh, we need a full episode on this. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a question about how do you heal in the environment that hurt you? And a very poignant question, you know, sisters, I thought engaged beautifully with the question, but I definitely wanted to bring it to the podcast so that we can open it up for a further discussion and talk about like what this might look like in terms of help in therapy. And Melissa, of course, you were the first person I thought of. So I'm very grateful for you to be back with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a topic that, you know, I have to be, you know, in full transparency because that's just my style. I dealt, have dealt with personally and that I deal with, you know, with my clients on a consistent basis. You know, we're talking about generational stuff, right? Intergenerational trauma as well plays a role in this. And so it's important for us to understand, you know, who's in our life, the impact that those people have on us and the roles that we choose to have in those relationships. Because I think often what I'm finding with, you know, myself and the clients that I work with is that as you mature, right? We tend to assume that we need to have the same roles and relationships with people that we've had in the past. And, you know, that's not always the case. You get to switch it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk to me, Melissa, about like how you might even know how to switch it up, right? Because I feel like so much of the conversation, and of course, there does become a point sometimes where the relationship does completely need to be dissolved. Mm-hmm. But I hear you saying that there may be a way to kind of switch up the roles, change up things a little bit so that you can still engage in relationships without completely dissolving them. For sure, for sure. I think the first thing that's important to think about is to acknowledge that there are different types of abuse, right? We might be having an experience with someone who we love, but because we define abuse or mistreatment in, you know, very specific terms, we don't think of the relationship as being hurtful or abusive, or we can't quite figure out why we feel like this person is hurting us because they're not doing the things that we typically would define as, right? So uh, abuse can be physical, sexual, it can be emotional, it can be verbal, it can be financial, and it can also be spiritual. And we need to understand that there are different contexts and, you know, what defines something as traumatic for you or abusive for you is the impact that it has on you emotionally and or physically, right? So, you know, hurt and harm doesn't need to be defined by these very strict categories with regard to the other person's behaviors. You know, we have to give ourselves permission to acknowledge how we feel based on how somebody else is behaving and take the time to sit with that and dissect that, right? So we always want to give ourselves the opportunity to go inward and to own our own pain as opposed to dismissing it. Mm-hmm. So important. So important. Right. Because I think when you only think about abuse as like the textbook kinds of things, right, it's really possible to miss a whole lot of things that just don't really feel good to us. 
Yeah, for sure. Or that are harmful, right? Yeah. Because we, you know, we assume. So we make a lot of assumptions about, you know, like who we need to be based on the things that we've been given, right? So if you grow up in a household where someone's telling you that you're too emotional, or you grow up in a household where someone tells you that you need to show up a certain way, and you've actually been punished, right, for not falling in line, then we can assume that there's something wrong with us when we grow up. And, you know, like in response to that person, we feel hurt, right, when they speak to us. Or we uh, we have this like anxiousness when it comes time to engage with them or to be around them or to ask them questions. And we just assume that we're too sensitive or we can just assume that that happened a long time ago. We should get over it. But we've never taken the opportunity or had our pain even acknowledged by ourselves or others. And so that can really prevent us from healing. So for sure. So you brought up an important point. I think that we need to kind of touch more on this idea of the pain being acknowledged by ourselves or others. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what that looks like both ways, right? Like, what does it look like for us to acknowledge our pain? And what might it look like for somebody else to acknowledge our pain? That's a really good question, because we are fiercely protective of people that we love, right? And so there's often this assumption that if somebody has hurt you, that you no longer care about them, that you should want to dispel them from your life. And that's not necessarily true. You can love someone and want to hold them accountable for their behavior and acknowledge how you feel at the same time as deciding that the behavior has has hurt you and you may or may not want them in your life. But because what we do often when we feel protective over the ones that we love, we don't give ourselves permission to say, I love you, but you hurt me. Or I honor the fact that you made tons of sacrifices for me, but you still hurt me, right? You know, there were some things that happened that have shifted how I view myself and that have shifted my viewpoint of, you know, who I am in this world to other people that cannot be changed or that I am working to change. We have to be able to hold duality within ourselves to say, mm, this is hurtful. This is hurtful. And I always often um, encourage my clients to start with what it feels like in your body. We are so logical sometimes that we suppress how we actually feel. So if you are around someone, if you have to interact with someone, if you just have the thought of someone and you have visceral reactions in your body, you might feel something in the pit of your stomach. You might feel like all of a sudden you have aches and pains in your joints. You may feel as though your head hurts. I would encourage you to pause and to not just assume that you're not feeling well in that moment, but to think about, is there an emotion linked to an experience with this person or this place that has caused you some pain so that you can acknowledge your own individual needs? With other people, right, we often want someone to say to us, I know that I hurt you, but I'm sorry, right? Or I know that this was painful for you and I apologize, or I just know that this was painful for you. What I find oftentimes as an adult is that we are too afraid to have those conversations and we actually assume that the other person will not give us what we need. And so because we assume that they won't give us what we need, we don't even want to broach the conversation because we're still seeing them as the person that had power over us when we were younger, 
right? Or that have power over us before in a different situation. When in fact, that person may have also grown and shifted and changed. They may also be doing their own self-work. And so they might have the opportunity to reflect on who they were and be open to a conversation. But because we're still imagining ourselves in those old roles, we don't even want to broach that topic because we feel as though we are opening ourselves up to hurt again. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that in some cases, that's true, Melissa, right? Like, what if I work up the nerve to have this conversation with somebody? And, you know, of course, my hope is that they will say they're sorry and, you know, that they're working on themselves or whatever. But we know a lot of times that is not what happens. A hundred percent. Yeah. So so how do you take care of yourself and what do you do at that point? So, you know, I am always good for a plan. Right? <laughs> so you need to understand who you are and you need to understand what your needs are. Before you have any type of conversation, you should understand what you're looking for and prepare to not receive it, right? Be open that in case you do receive it, you have the ability to hear and to understand the person's perspective and to accept if you choose to. But also be prepared that this person might not be in a position to meet my needs. And so then what do I know about me and what I need when I'm hurt? Right. Do I need to take a moment and cry? Do I need to, you know, talk to my girlfriends or my partner? Do I need to pray? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to go to a yoga class? And so be prepared with whatever your wellness plan is. Because in the last episode, previously to me being here, we were talking about always having a wellness plan, right? Mm-hmm. So be prepared to engage with your wellness plan around what your needs are to take care of yourself if you find that your needs are not being met. Got it. Again, going back to that duality, it is important to allow yourself maybe some hopefulness that this conversation could go well, right? And that this person Mm -hmm. might apologize, but to also prepare yourself that if it does not go as planned as they often don't, um, that you can do some things to support yourself and still take care of yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it is important to decide if you want to have a conversation based on what you know about this person, right? I'm for sure not suggesting that to heal or to have closure that you need to have a conversation with this person because there are some factors that you, you know, want to consider about who this person is, like what type of hurt it was before making that decision. But I think that people often discount conversations because we make assumptions. And so it is best if you're thinking about doing it or you know that you want to choose to do it, that you hold space for duality in that situation for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So another part that kind of came up around this conversation was the idea that some people may feel like they need to still be connected to people who have hurt them or maybe are still actively hurting them because of their stage in life. So I think most often about like you know, maybe college students who are kind of still financially dependent on family or, you know, for whatever circumstance, you're still living with family and then there's tension and and things going on in the home, but you feel like you kind of have to be connected to these people for survival. Yeah. So I'm constantly asking people to think about the stories that we tell ourselves about what our needs are, right? Because a lot of times we do things because maybe we feel like it's owed to us. Well, you hurt me so much. The least you could do is to pay for this. Or the least you could do is to let me live here. But 
we have to be prepared to be able to interrogate that story because maybe you don't need to be there, right? Maybe you are telling yourself that you are giving yourself exposure to to something because it's your only choice and maybe it's not, right? What is it about that connection that you really and truly need and sparse that out? Because maybe you do need money or maybe you do need to live there, but you need to have dinner at the same table every time, right? So you need to engage in conversations about certain choices that you choose to make that you know will uh, bring you more pain. What are your needs in total and figure out what needs can be met and what needs can't? What's the cost to benefit analysis of the story that you're telling yourself? And if it's not really worth it, how can you redefine the relationship in a way that actually makes sense for you if it means as well that you need to disconnect? Like, what is this costing you? I think the other thing that happens is that people often feel like the isolation and the loneliness that I might feel if I disconnect from these people will be even more unbearable than like staying in this situation. Yeah. Because sometimes these people are all that we know. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, that's the case, right? Like that is all that you know. And so we know, of course, right, that even when something feels unhealthy for us or we feel like we want to make some changes, it can still be very, very difficult because you have to go give up what is familiar. Right, right. And, you know, I think this is where the assessment of what your needs are comes into Because maybe you desire to stay connected, but you have an imagination about what that connection has to look like because that's what it has always been, right? And so you can stay connected to people, but it doesn't mean that you leave yourself open consistently to the same type of pain. So what is the pain point, right? If you have a loved one who is constantly speaking down to you, or you feel as though they are hurtful with their words, right? Then you might choose to continue to show up on holidays or you might choose to continue to have phone conversations, but you might limit the frequency, you might limit the duration, you might limit the types of conversations that you have. So absolutely, there's some loss, but there are also some ways we can protect ourselves from that loss so that it might not feel as significant. Maybe you have to develop additional support systems for yourself, right? So um, you might need to get like a stronger friend network. You may need to develop a spiritual community that you feel is supportive. You might need to join some support groups, but there are methods, you know, once you understand what your needs are, there are ways that you can try to build in those supports for yourself and to build a cushion so that the pain and the loss doesn't necessarily feel so significant or you have the opportunity to at least have some of those needs that were met by the other individual. Something else that I think is important to kind of think about related to like building this additional support for yourself is to how to do that in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think we got to be careful to not be so desperate, so to speak, to like have some support that we are then just recreating another like unhealthy environment for ourselves that just looks different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you want to pay attention to who you're connecting to because trauma bonds are real, right? You can connect to people because they feel familiar and 
what feels familiar is the same sort of pain that you're trying to detach yourself from. Mm -hmm. So you want to be very aware of who you're inviting into your life. But that's why we always start by acknowledging what our needs are and acknowledging our pain. Because when we give ourselves the opportunity to be honest, right, it's not just this person. It is something that occurs in the interaction that you have with this person. There's a certain behavior. There's a certain tone. There's a certain emotion that is evoked. When we give ourselves permission to really dissect that and to understand what happens in us as well with these interactions, then we can really do the work to define what types of relationships we are looking to connect with so that we can be more conscientious, discerning, vigilant about who we welcome into our life, for sure. Can you talk about the trauma bonds, Melissa? Because I think that that is the term that has kind of gotten picked up speed, right? But I don't know that we always know exactly what that means. Can you say about trauma bonds? So the way I think of it is that you can connect with people who either have the same or a similar experience as you, or they resonate with you on a, a visceral level because they like there's something about them that feels familiar, right? Like we like we hear sometimes people say there's you know like there was something about them that felt like home, right? Right off the start. But if home isn't a safe, loving, or nurturing place, then yes, they can feel like home, but then that's not necessarily the best thing. Or there can be two people who two or more people who are very hurt who are just looking for something, right? who are just looking for some type of connection because they're in pain. And so then you build your relationship and your connection with them around your pain. But then, you know, what happens if you develop a relationship with healing, right? And so then you shift and you change and the types of pain or the types of things that you used to do that surrounded the pain, the type of communication, like whatever those needs were, are no longer there for you. And then that relationship shifts. So then what happens to the connection? So we want to develop healthy connections with people that speak to the whole part of ourselves, like the parts of ourselves that are clearly defined, not rooted in low self-esteem, not rooted in trauma and pain, so that we can have long-lasting, healthy connections and relationships. But it feels like it is important to kind of think more about that, right? Because I'm thinking about like, you know, let's say somebody participates in a support group, right? For people who maybe have difficulties with their mom or something like that, that that's the kind of situation where, yes, you're coming together to support one another in a particular way because you have maybe similar experiences, but that the connection should not be based totally on these experiences with our mom, right? That there needs to be something else that makes me feel like we connect besides just our experiences with our moms. For sure. And I think that a telltale sort of way often to sort of judge that, like with with that type of situation, you're spending the whole time talking about the point of pain. Yeah. Majority of the time, right? So if you know y'all just getting on the phone talking about how y'all mama's just, you know, make y'all feel sick and you know, that's the only thing that you can connect over or the conversation always comes back to that, there's some value there, right? Like there's some value in having someone to vent to, but you have to understand the purpose of that relationship because that might not be someone who you're really establishing connection with. And so 
that kind of relationship tends to have a short lifespan and then you're going through a whole nother period of loss, you know, once that relationship fizzles. So Melissa, do you have any other suggestions for like how you can find people who can be additional support for you? So I think often when the people, especially when we're talking about when we've been hurt by family, we, it is common for people to not want to be open. Right. So we might be a little bit more skeptical about developing relationships at work or if we go to church or just with mutual friendship. But I think that if we give ourselves the opportunity to understand what we need and what we're looking for, and you always want to be conscientious, you can develop really long lasting friendships from work environments from different social groups in the community. I recently joined a book club and I love those women. So you want to be able to engage in things that you love and that you enjoy, things that might be hobbies or just things that just spark an interest that you might want to try. And oftentimes, if you find that you can be open or you can give yourself some time to develop true connection, that can be a healthy way for you to develop new relationships. Are there other things that people should be aware of? Like what kinds of things might be red flags in terms of new connections that they may want to just pay attention to when we're specifically talking about looking for additional support kind of in healing outside of this toxic environment? Codependent, Mm. number one. What do you mean? So when we talk about codependence, we are talking about developing relationships with people rooted in either solely our need or solely their need. So a lot of times when we spent our lives, quite possibly, trying to connect with other people, especially our loved ones, we may have learned patterns of caretaking of others as a way to develop connection. So the way that you might make a friend is you might talk to somebody and be like, hey, how you going? And then all of a sudden you hear that they need something and you're the first person to develop a solution for them, right? They might need a ride to work and then all of a sudden you ride them to work every day. And that's how you're developing your relationship. So you always want to be mindful of either you're overworking and you're very conscious about meeting other people's needs or you have somebody who is entering your life and the only thing that they desire to do is to meet your needs, right? You might feel like that person is quote unquote needy or that they're clingy. Or you might feel like you're being too clingy. Of course, you want to unpack some of that because that can be rooted in our own experiences with others. But you want to be mindful about the things that you think you need to do to develop relationships other than just be yourself and allow things to naturally develop over time. That may be the part that feels difficult for a lot of people, Melissa, like especially when you're coming from an environment that has not been so healthy. It's just this idea of like even who you are and whether who you are will be enough to be in relationships with other people. You just said a whole word. So that's like, that is everything right there, right? Because when we're talking about, especially if the pain is coming from your family of origin, what we're talking about a lot of times is this idea that you need to go along to get along, right? Likely, there are family patterns that have been established about who the head of the family is, what they desire from you, and then how you need to be to be a part of this unit. And if you're in a place of individuation, meaning that you're developing a a concept of yourself that is separate from those expectations, 
you're still developing a concept of yourself that is separate from those expectations. So you might not necessarily be sure how to show up. You may fall into old patterns. And I think the thing here is that's okay, right? Because everything that we do is a process. So you might find yourself developing friendships and relationships and then be like, oh, I want to switch up the pace here because I'm realizing that I'm doing this in a way that is not healthy for me. And then you switch up the pace. That might mean that there are some shifts in those relationships that you're developing, but it will also mean that you're developing a healthier self-concept of yourself, right? So really giving yourself grace with understanding who you are and understanding that you do get to create that definition. A lot of us have been given these ideas of, you know, how to be whether it's you need to dress a certain way, speak a certain way, have a certain type of job. And if you're trying to break out of that mold, in addition to identifying your own hurt and heal from it, sometimes those people around you aren't necessarily supportive. And so it does take some time. And I'm always going to recommend that people seek their healing and get well-trained professionals to be able to support you in that healing because it's a lot of work and it's multi-layered work. Yes. And you said something that I want to go back to, Melissa, just this idea that none of us are perfect in relationships, right? And so especially when you, in some ways, like new relationships outside of an unhealthy one kind of feel like the toddler phase, right? Like you're trying yeah. to learn how to walk. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah, yes. And so you're bumping your head and like not quite sure how to do any of that. But that it's okay that when you realize like, okay, I'm going down a path that doesn't feel good for me, that it's okay to stop and course correct, right? But I think what happens is that we often feel like, okay, I can't take this back, right? Like I've gone too far down this road. Yes. Like I can stop and do something different. Different, right. And still retain the relationship possibly, right? Because I think a lot of times, especially if you're coming from a pattern of relationship with someone there, if you try to shift and change that meant disconnection, you automatically assume if I shift and change, that means disconnection. And for some of us, what we do is we cut those relationships off before we even get to give ourselves the opportunity, excuse me, to shift and change, right? In that kind of situation, we're ending it first because we don't want to be hurt. We assume that if we establish boundaries or we change that the other person will not want us anymore. And that is also about how we love ourselves. So for sure, you can give yourself permission to shift and change and be open to the fact that the other person may have a response to that, but don't assume that the response is going to be one that I don't want to be because it may not be that. Yeah. And I think my experience has been that a lot of times relationships get stronger after those kinds of conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you are giving yourself the opportunity to be vulnerable, but you're also giving the other person the opportunity to be vulnerable. And because the goal isn't just to have a relationship, it's to have healthy relationships with people, you want to give yourself permission to develop that. And if you keep in a cycle of hurt and pain, it's very similar to what you came out of. You're just recreating that in this new thing. So we're often so afraid of disconnection that we keep ourselves in situations that bring us significant discomfort and hurt and perpetuate our own traumas and prevent us from fully healing because we have that fear. But 
that is the anxiety telling you that you can't have the things that you wanted. So you have to give yourself the ability to reimagine all of the time who you are, you know, what your relationships can look like, and then give yourself the permission to do something different if you need to, for sure. Yeah. And I hope that what people hear in kind of our conversation is that this stuff can take some time, right? Especially when we're talking about like childhood stuff and things that have been with us for years, it will take some time to kind of figure out how you want to do relationships differently. For sure. And trial and error. Mm -hmm. I often have my clients come in and they're like, well, like I thought it was going good. Now I don't feel so good. Now what am I going to do? Am I back to square one? And one thing that we're constantly talking about is you're never back to square one. Because you learn some things, you apply some things, you develop some things, you're figuring out some things. And so, you know, giving yourself the opportunity to try and to figure out and to learn and to do things different, you're never back to square one. Even though the pain might feel so, right? We are leaving ourselves open to situations where we feel hurt. And so we often don't want that pain, but that pain tells us something. It tells us what's important to us. It tells us what we need. And so even though we don't want the pain, I do encourage people not to be afraid of it if it doesn't show up. Yeah. And that, you know, we've had these conversations on the podcast and just, you know, in the Therapy for Black Girls community, just this idea that pain will not like overwhelm you. That it's okay for you to, you know, figure out some ways to support yourself, like you said, when painful moments come. So it's not that the pain won't be there. It's that you can be enough and you can build your support to be able to handle and hold you through the painful moments. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think just to piggyback off of that, especially when you're living in a situation with someone who has hurt you or you feel is hurting you, in addition to really having this conversation with yourself about the narrative that you need to be there, because maybe you do. I think all of these tips can, you know, just sort of give you this perspective of understanding that there's physical protection, but then there's also emotional protection, right? We're we're constantly needing to put ourselves in a position sometimes to figure out how to get through a thing right? Because we're in the middle of it. And so there is an opportunity here for you to think outside of the box, maybe about how to meet your needs in ways that address the full scope of what you need to do right now because of whatever situation you might be. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Melissa. So are there any resources that you find yourself recommending related to this topic that you think would be helpful for people if they're looking for more information or support? I may have recommended this book before, but there's a book by Colleen Tipping that is called Radical Forgiveness, which is about how to understand situations that, that you know, have to do with hurt from, from the perspective of forgiving yourself and forgiving others. So I think that that's a really good book as well. But I just think that engaging in activities that have to do with self-love, a lot of the times pain and hurt from people who we love somehow communicate to us that we are not worthy. But when you really put yourself on the trajectory of engaging in activities and honoring yourself and establishing your intuition, you are really building your self-worth and your self-identity. And then that will give you the permission to engage in some of these hard activities and these hard discussions with yourself and others with confidence. 
And with love for them and yourself as well. I don't think this was a book you suggested before, but oh. now that you have suggested it, <laughs> it, 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 it brings me to, I feel like another question to ask before we wrap up, mm-hmm. just this idea of forgiveness when somebody has hurt you. Yeah. What does that even look like? Oh, so I mean, this might be a whole different like, episode. This is a whole, this is a whole different episode. <laughs> but what I will say is this: there's this concept that forgiveness has to involve reengagement. Mm. That you need to have a quote-unquote closure conversation. That you need to remain connected to or reconnect to somebody who you've forgiven. But forgiveness is really about resolution. It's about understanding what has happened. It is about understanding what that thing has done for you, acknowledging it for yourself and releasing the experience, right? So I forgive you. It's like, okay, so you did this to me and this has impacted me in the following way, right? And this is an internal conversation with yourself, not necessarily a conversation with someone else, right? So, you know, it has impacted me in the following ways. I'm going to choose to heal in the following ways and I'm releasing that experience. So I am no longer holding on to the anger, but that does not mean that I do not have to instill a boundary, right? For you, for your behavior, or for the ways that we will interact in the future. And so forgiveness is not a, oh, you know, how great you are all of a sudden moment. It is about something that you do internally. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I'm looking forward to checking this book out because it definitely sounds like a good one for me to add to my library. Yes, for sure it is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Please share with us again where people can find you online, your website, as well as your social media handles. For sure. So my website is MelissaEiffel.com. That's Amazon Mary, E-L-I-S-S-A-I. F is in Frank, I, Larry, Larry.com. And my Instagram, which is where I spend the most of my time, well, not the most of my time, but the most of my time on social media, is at Melissa Eiffel, L-C-S-W. And I am also now on Twitter, um, <laughs> which is also uh, Melissa Eiffel. And I have all of those links on my website. If you just want to click them, you can follow me anywhere you do. Perfect. Well, we will definitely include those in the show notes so that people can continue this conversation with you. I'm sure that it will be just as active as the first question we asked. So I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with everybody. Thank you yeah, so much, sure. Melissa. I appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Joy. It is always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. Always. I'm so glad Melissa was able to share her expertise with us again today. If you missed her first two appearances here on the podcast, I strongly encourage you to check them out. She shared with us in session 92 about life with a bipolar disorder. And in session 98, she shared how to show up when you just want to lay down. I'm including the links to both of these episodes, as well as the resources she shared today in the show notes, and you can check those out at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 142. Please remember to share this episode with two people in your circle, and don't forget to share your takeaways with us either on Twitter or in your IG stories using the hashtag TBGInSession. If you're searching for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic, 
and meet some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective, where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit RedCrossBlood.org slash OurBlood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girl Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.